This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Uh, we have a saying in the church here, if you're new to us, that we are the church. We don't go to church. This is just a celebration of what God has done this, this past week in our lives. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so excited when we join to partner with who God is. And uh, He's like, some people invite God into their life, but it's like, it's actually wrong. You must say, Father, thank you that I can be part of your story, His story. Some people call it history. It's His story. And so when you and I begin to live lives that are missional, and the fact that we are sent on a mission for God, our lives begin to change. Then it's not just like, hey, Lord, give me a breakthrough. Show me where the next job opportunity is. I want to be successful for Jesus. I want to be good looking for Jesus. You know, we just add the for Jesus many times. No? But when you meet with Jesus, your whole life changes. You don't want to do anything else but serve him and worship him because once you've seen him, your life is transformed, not conformed. It's not like a, another thing we add to our agenda or to our weekly program. Jesus transforms our lives, you know, and we are part of a church, a universal church um, that is so exciting. When you go to the Middle East, I've been there a couple of times. When you meet the church there that really they... Um, they sacrifice their lives physically for Christ, meaning that it's an honor to die for Jesus. Even while we are going to sit here in the next two hours, 40 people would lay down their lives for Jesus, for the cause of Christ. 40 people in the world will physically die for the cause of Christ. So the fact that we can sit like this without being persecuted is a massive privilege. We're not doing God a privilege to come to church. We're not saying, oh, Lord, yeah. We are part of a body that God is raising up all across the world. And um, the exciting part is when you go to the Middle Eastern church and you realize, like, sure, uh, most of those people had a first-hand encounter with Christ. You don't need to beg them to read the Bible or to just to add. No, no, they will... They say, this is not it. This is life. Life is knowing God. And so we're talking tonight about the mission of Christ. The mission of Christ. Christ is on a mission. God is doing something. He's not just sitting in heaven, drinking pineapple drinks and waiting for the church to get to him. <laughs> Jesus is doing certain things. He's interceding. He's building a house for his children to come back. There's a, there's, there's a lot of activity in heaven, if you didn't know that. And part of that is to pray for you. I wonder what he prays for you. Kirsten, what, is it, what do you think he prays? Low there in Elderberg, you're sitting there in the week. What does he pray for you? Or, or the Dagbrek clan in front, you know, whether you have a snore or whether you don't have a snore, you know. I, I imagine what is Jesus praying for you? Oh, Lord, give him a greater vehicle. Give her. I don't think that's what he's praying for you. If you would begin to ask him, Lord, what are you praying for me? Your life will change. When you align yourself and I align ourselves with what God prays. You know, sometimes we come and um, I remember meeting a guy in Uganda, a pastor there, and there was great persecution. So they, a lot of them had to flee 
into the mountains and at a stage um so they're busy running for their lives he's on a 21 day water fast and um and so the lord asked him um do you think i need counseling and so he said his name is john and he said um no lord you are god of the universe you never need counseling you know and the lord just kept quiet and you know when the lord asks you a question don't be quick to answer <laughs> Don't, don't be quick to, to give him an answer. And so the Lord asked him again, John, do you think I need counseling? And so um, he said, no, Lord, you don't need counseling. And uh, the third time the Lord asked him again, he said, do you think I need counsel? And he said, no, Lord, you don't. You're God of the universe. And then the Lord told him, well, every time you come to me in prayer, you tell me what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. John, stop counseling me. Learn to surrender. He said his prayer life changed dramatically. <laughs> because how many times do we say, oh, God, just do this, then I will do that. God, just do that. Instead of, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Lord, surrender. I surrender. And some of us are going to surrender tonight. We're going to jump into Luke chapter 3 and Luke chapter 4 and just read the scriptures and look at the scriptures. So something profound happens in Luke chapter 3. Jesus being a carpenter for 30 years, there's not a lot that Scripture tells about that 30 years. Isn't it amazing? Not what Scripture tells you, but sometimes the stuff it leaves out. In Luke chapter 2, it gives us a bit of an example. Luke chapter 2 verse 52, it says, And Jesus grew in stature and in favor with man and favor with God. So Jesus had to grow in certain areas in his life, although he was the Son of God and the Son of Man together. He was sinless, but yet he had to grow. One of the things that Hebrews talks about that he had to grow in was in obedience. In Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 8, it says, Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So not all suffering, I'm not talking about sickness, not all stuff that is tough in your life is from the devil. Sometimes we give the devil too much credit. Sometimes God is going to test us, and sometimes he's going to allow certain things in your life. I'm not talking about sickness, because God didn't create sickness. God doesn't punish you. He doesn't put your hand on the stove plate and say like, oh, see, it burns, so don't put it on there again. He doesn't teach us through punishing us. But he will allow suffering in your life. And if, you, if your gospel is just uh, oh, feel good, happy gospel, I tell you, it's not the gospel. Because we are in this world, and we are in this broken world. And some of us, if we could have the testimony of each one here, many of us would testify, that, hey, that this is a tough life. 70% of young people today in this nation suffers with great anxiety, loneliness, and heavy depression. Especially school kids. We are the most isolated, lonely, depressed generation that has ever lived i'm talking about all of us under the age of 23 i mean thanks tobias for that agreement you're also over 23 but in any case so, but this amazing thing happens here in luke chapter 3 uh, jesus says uh, or the, jesus comes he, he gets to john the baptist there's a baptism that happens it's called the baptism of repentance it's not a baptism of salvation like we or or, uh, or sort of obedience out of salvation that we're going to do next week the believers baptism this was a baptism unto repentance so john the baptist called people back to god 
And through the baptism, they, they repented. They got saved because Jesus hasn't yet died. And so Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. It's a whole teaching on its own. Why did Jesus have to get baptized? But it's to fulfill all obedience. It's to show us the way. And so he got baptized. And the moment when he got baptized, the dove came. And then for the only three times in the New Testament where God spoke audibly, clearly, the first time was to his son, Jesus. And he says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What has Jesus done unto that time? He's uh, built furniture. He didn't do one miracle. He didn't see one healing. He didn't see one profound thing probably happen. Although he was obedient and from a young age he went to the temple to worship. To experience God. To have a relationship with God. So God's acceptance of you is not based on your works or your performance. His love towards you is unconditional. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't love you more in 10 years from now when you are a better Christian. His love is unconditional. And the crazy thing is, it's just our position towards that love will determine how much we experience that love, but also live in that love. His love is not going to change. He doesn't, he doesn't love you more when you pray more or when you fast more or when you do more stuff. His love is unconditional. And so we have a choice every day to live into that fullness of being a son and a daughter of God. Or we can come to him as an orphan, as a slave, and let the world determine what our identity is. But if you come to the creator, if you come to the one who made you and you find out what, is, what does he say about you, then suddenly you also begin to hear those words, this is my beloved daughter. I love her, and I'm proud of her. Do you know that every human being is looking for those words? Every human being wants to hear that, especially from their father and mother. If you did not receive that, you'll probably have an emptiness, and for the rest of your life, you will search for acceptance and belonging by the people around you. Everyone wants to belong somewhere. Everyone wants to know, who am I? And that's the formation of your identity as a believer is you have to go to God. You have to say to him, Lord, I want to hear those words from you. I remember there was one guy in church. He came in. I won't say what residence he was, but um, um, I remember the first time I saw him was in his first year, March in his first year, and the Lord just told me, hug him. And you know when, you know, it's like awkward and you just go, no, and I hugged him and he was just standing like, like this. He didn't respond at all. There was no even half mercy. There was no like, it was just like a cold, like, oh, this is awkward, you know. This guy's hugging me. And so, and every time I saw him, the Lord told me, just go and hug him. And for four years, just had to go and hug him. Sometimes he would hide away. <laughs> you know, when he saw me coming, I was like, oh, there he goes, you know. After four years, I remember one day I just hugged him. And he just broke off. He said, I resisted the love of God for four years, but I can't run away. You see, every person wants to know their identity. They want to say, like, hey, Lord, I want to belong. What are you saying? This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. There's some people here that God is going to deliver tonight from a fear of abandonment. You're afraid that you're going to be abandoned. 
You're afraid that you're going to fail so much that you form your whole identity around that. You think like, no, 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 God, God is actually not pleased with me. He's going to walk out on me. God is actually going to some or other time not, not, you know, because if you knew what I've been up to, <laughs> you know. But that's the start of Jesus' ministry. Don't ever try to do something or find your identity by what you do. You become a child of God because God gives you sonship. He gives you the ability to be called a son and a daughter of God. That's the most freeing thing ever in your life where you realize like, wow, God chose me before I chose him. But he didn't just choose me so that I can have a nice Christian lifestyle. He chose me to go on a mission. Once I've had that identity in him, he chose me to go on a mission with him. And every Christian must be missional. I'm not talking about going to India. I know the chilies are hot. I know it's tough. It is like, but every day you've been sent on an assignment with God. And so listen to this in Luke chapter 4 verse 1 to 16. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. This was now, the skies opened up. God spoke audibly to Jesus. The second time he spoke audibly to him was at the Mount of Transfiguration. And he said, this is my son. Listen to him. He affirmed the calling, the destiny, first identity, and then the destiny of Jesus. Because Jesus also needed to hear those words. But here we continue now on this journey as Jesus just came. People are like, wow, there's an audible voice. God himself spoke to his son, Jesus. Filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Not the devil, not Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. I'm just amazed about our wow scripture, you know. Doesn't over-exaggerate. Imagine not eating for 40 days. I would have put it, I would have written it like this. He was dead, awfully, completely, almost hungry to the point of starvation and devastation. You know, that's what I would have put in there. But he just says, hey, he was hungry. Huh? It's just, but in any case, just that's a side note. But so... Here comes these, this major temptation. And the first thing in verse 3, and the devil said to him, every temptation started with the same words. If you are the son of God. So God the Father just confirmed sonship, confirmed you are my beloved son. I'm so pleased with you. You are my son. I've chosen you. You are my daughter. And you know what the devil comes? He says, if you are the son of God, there's an identity crisis in the world. It's called identity politics. So many people want to know who am I and the culture of the day is trying to tell people who they are. But like we said last week, you can't. You have to go to your creator, the one who made you. <laughs> you know? If you get a new, this is just for the guys, ladies, you're much better at this, you know. But have you seen, guys, that sometimes you get something new? We never read the manual. Any guys like that? 
I, I don't know if it's an ego thing, huh? I, I don't know if our ego gets in the way, but there's this thick manual, and we have decided that that manual is not necessary. It's not there for us. It's there for all the dumb people out there, you know? So you get that TV, and now you're going to figure it out yourself, you know? And so the manual lies there, you going deep, you trying to figure out, you plug stuff into the wrong stuff, you almost blow up the TV or the computer, but you're going to figure it out, you know? And then you come to that realization. It's better to go to the manual. It's much easier. Maybe I should have gone first time around to go to the manual, you know? And then we just like, Mr. Bean, go back, check out if our wives doesn't see us. And then we just go like, oh, I should have done it like that, you know. Spend much time. But, but, you know, isn't that part of the human nature? We don't want to go to God to find out what our identity and our purpose is. We, we want to do it ourselves. But the devil and the world will tell you if you are the son of God. So three temptations, and I'm not going to spend too much time on that. But we can learn from it because... The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The first challenge and temptation was always around the material things. The world wants to tell you material things will satisfy you and tell your identity. And what would have happened because this desert where Jesus was, was called the desert of devastation. There was really nothing there. But there were a lot of little stones in this massive valley where this temptation started, the first temptation. And so the devil says to him basically, hey, do you know what? If all these little stones turn to bread, do you know what's going to happen? All the people are going to come out and you're going to be very popular. The first temptation was about material things that would make you popular. Because what would have happened if all of those stones turned to bread, you know what? The whole of Israel would have come out picked up the bread and said, what a miracle. And it would have been an easy, cheap way for Jesus to gain popularity in another way than what God didn't want him to do. God wanted him to go to the cross. Are you with me tonight? Shake your neighbor and say, hey, hey, are you with us? Say to your neighbor, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So he says, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus said, no, man shall not live by bread alone. Then the devil, the second temptation, then the devil took him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Sure. The second temptation was about do the supernatural. Just, just do it in another way. It's about compromising. It's about doing stuff in your own strength and not being obedient to what God tells you. In the kingdom, there is no shortcuts. I'm going to say something that maybe offends you. God is not interested in your happiness and your comfort. Safety and security is not values of the kingdom. We grow up where our parents sometimes tell us, the helicopter parent us and say, just be safe. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, don't make a mistake. Oh, I'm going to help you. And they over-parent us many times. And now we come into the kingdom of God and nobody wants to take a risk. It's called faith. 
Because we're so bound by safety and security that we cannot step out of the boat sometimes. And so the devil says to him, hey, if you're the son of God, you know what? Climb up and you know what? Just jump. It will be spectacular. The people will just say, wow, look at what he can do. And they'll start to worship you. Verse 9, then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from there. That's what he said. So, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Isn't it amazing that the devil quotes scripture? The devil will quote scripture at you. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So there was this massive challenge on not just sonship, but obedience to the call and the mission of God in Jesus' life. And do you know what? It's going to happen in your life. It's going to happen in my life. Sometimes people are going to tell you, no, don't go. No, never that. Oh, you know, I call them the unbelieving believers. There are a lot of people that love churchianity. There are a lot of people that love to go to crowds, jump up and down, have nice music. But it's only faith that pleases God. That was a good place to say, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's scripture. I mean, <laughs> it's only faith that pleases God. And if your faith doesn't cost you something, it's worth nothing. But don't be afraid of taking risks. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. Because God is not calling you to do stuff for him. It's, he's calling you to do stuff with him. And once you begin to discover that, it's the most amazing thing. Many of you know my testimony. I couldn't speak in front of one person. I stuttered. I was ugh, introvert galore, you know. Now I'm just catching up on some of the years I've lost. Jesus healed me. He said to me, you're going to talk in front of people. And you're going to go to different nations. I've been to 65 nations just telling people what Jesus means to me. And I've been in the most profound places. So what's your excuse? No, you know, I'm an introvert. Ha, I was an introvert too. No, no, I, ca I, I can't. There goes the sound. You see, you see. Turn to your neighbor and say, I like that smile on your face. Testing. Okay, turn to your Oh. Hello. 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 <laughs> it's like mint ice cream and vanilla ice cream. It's all surround sound. Okay. Why is this thing working out? Did you switch over the sound? Well, great. Let's try this one again. So the question is, how big is God in your life? Will you trust him? So listen to this, verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Isn't it amazing that the first verses said, Jesus just being filled with the Holy Spirit, once he's walked through that temptation, once he's gone through that 
to establish that sonship, to establish his authority and say, hey, I don't live by myself. I live because I want to be obedient to God. I've got a different set of values, a different set of rules and safety, security, comfort, happiness. That's not what I live by. I don't live by just the next quick fix or the next nice social. I am missional in my life because I'm going somewhere. I'm just passing through this life. Be careful not to be too much rooted into this life. I think it was Napoleon, or I don't know who it was, but one of these big guys that basically took over the world. Do you know how he died? They said after he died, they said, he said to everyone, take a coffin, put my body in that coffin, make holes on the sides, and let my hands hang out on the sides and parade me through the whole kingdom so that everyone will know Napoleon took nothing with him into eternity. My hands are empty. You see, if you keep on gathering in this world, if you keep on clinging to stuff, you'll never be able to give it away. Christians live like this. I don't know what your story is, but maybe you think like, oh, there's this bad part of my life. I don't want to share it with anyone. Give it to Jesus. Give that abuse. Give that pornography. Give that stuff. Maybe you come out of the worst family ever. Maybe you don't have a family. You don't even know who your family is. Give it to Jesus and see how he turns your life around. And suddenly you begin to discover that it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to live in that space because, hey, my identity is determined by God and what God says. And the most amazing thing is to live with him, to walk with him. And so Jesus, now he comes out of that place of deep suffering, of deep temptation, of really coming to the end of himself. I can just imagine he almost going crazy. 40 days of just water, just fasting, and being tempted by the devil. Every temptation just to like, hey, finish this thing. Just eat this bread. Just get the people out. Do it now, you know. We don't know when exactly all the temptations happened, but it happened in that time through his fasting. And so Jesus comes out there stronger than ever before in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. So now he reads, he's 30 years old, you were not allowed to read scripture in the temple until you were 30 years old. And so when he gets there, right there, in the timing of God, suddenly the hand the Old Testament to him. The New Testament hasn't existed then, if you didn't know. Jesus was busy writing the New Testament and the disciples. And so this is his first opportunity because you could only read when you're 30 years old. He gets into the temple and there's a one scripture that is read. It's quoted out of Isaiah 61. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. A prophecy of hundreds of years before that. A prophet Isaiah, and I think I said it last week, please, if you want to be amazed by the Bible, go and study every prophecy about Jesus. Go and read Psalm 2. Go and read Psalm 24. Go and read the Psalms and how Isaiah and Isaiah 53 prophesied, Isaiah 52, 53, years before Jesus came, to the point described what would happen on the cross 
how he would be handled. And that's why Jesus would many times say, I did that so that the scriptures can be fulfilled. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. The question is, what has God written about your life? What has he got to say? You know, some of you heard the testimony of him, Stephen Lungu, you know, when his wife died and the doctor said, it's finished. I loved what um Stephen said. His wife's name is Rachel. He said, God has the final say, doctor. And 30 minutes later, his wife rose from the dead. Somebody just prayed over a phone. Wow. God has the final say, sir. But this is what he says. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We can probably spend a whole series of ten sermons just on those five verses, verse 18 to 20. What does it mean? What is the ministry of Christ? What was the mission of Christ? And here is the description. He walks into that place. He says, look here, I've come not to be nice Jesus. I've not come here to play nice church church, to entertain you, to make you a nice consumer so that you say, hey, those chauffeur people, they're actually very nice. You know, they have amazing snore that they grow. They're somewhere white, you know, they're in the, you know, they're in, in, in the funkiness of life. You know, I see lots of you are not wearing white shoes because you were here last week. I embarrassed you and you forgave me. But so, sorry, Davey. Oh, did you not send the, the Dachbrick guys the memo? But in any case, so the crazy part is, why did Jesus die? No, no, just to take me to heaven. No. He says why he died, and this is the scripture. He says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's what Jesus means, Savior. Christ means anointed one. And so he says, to do what? To preach the gospel, the good news. You and I as Christians must have the gospel of Christ as the center of our lives, a Christ-centered life. Do you live for the gospel? Do you believe the gospel? What is the gospel? Jesus died to save people. Jesus died to bring life now, not just life in heaven. Jesus died to bring restoration between mankind and God. Jesus died to do miracles, to save people, to heal them. That's the word salvation means sozo, to be set free, to bring liberty to the captives. And this is what he explains. He says, I've come here to preach the good news. They asked what Reinhard Bonke one day, they said to him, hey, sir, this Christianity thing, you know, why is there so much sin in the world if you say that Jesus is so effective, you know? And then Reinhard, I love what he said. He says, there's a lot of soap in the world, but also a lot of dirty people. If you don't take the soap and apply the soap, you will not be clean. You know, guys shower for 30 minutes and never use soap. Ladies shower for 30 minutes and everything is clean, you know. It's just crazy. But soap cleanses. The blood of Jesus cleanses. It has an effect on your life. It transforms you. And this is, if you have not met that Jesus, every person in the Bible 
that call themselves Christians had an encounter with God. If you've not had an encounter, ask him. Because it's not knowledge, it's not doctrine, it's not church experience. It's only when you come face to face with the reality of the real Christ, the one who had the spirit of the Lord upon him, that does what? Preaches the good news to you, speaks to you what he's come to do. And then he says, not just that he has sent me, I'm sent. It's, it's not, if you're going to read the words, it's quite direct, tough words. It's not... It's not suggestions. It's not, the, have you read the 10 suggestions lately? <laughs> yeah. God really doesn't speak in suggestion format. He says, I've been anointed. I've been sent. I'm proclaiming to set liberty, to proclaim, to proclaim, to set. It's, it's like quite strong words. Anything short of why Jesus died is not the gospel. He says, I've come to heal the broken heart. Maybe your heart is broken here tonight. Jesus came to bring healing. I came to proclaim. What is proclamation? It means like somebody announces something. You know, I was in Indracht, in Indracht this year. I think they're in the other service. Where? Johan. Now, don't worry. It's not a sin to be an Indrachter, okay? But, but there's, do you still have Tierkan in Indracht? Tierkan and Kijk, Okay. So every time then there's somebody that announces in the quad, Tierkan, cake, and then everyone is there, you know. Somebody just made an announcement. It is already done. It's not like say, oh, let's go check every five minutes. When that person makes an announcement, you know what? People know it's a proclamation. It's this is what's happening. So Jesus said, I've come to proclaim. I've come to bring liberty to the captives. Maybe you're captive here. Jesus died for your freedom. He says, recovery of sight to the blind, spiritual blindness. He recovers that. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Are you going to get excited about scripture? Because it's actually amazing. If you look at what Jesus came to do, recovery of sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed. Maybe you're struggling with heaviness or depression Jesus died for those things. He said, that's what I've come to do. And then this last one, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of favor of the Lord is every 50th year, every Jew. All slavery were, were stopped. Every piece of land went back to its original owner. So you, there was no debt in Israel anymore. Every slave person got set free and was released every 50th year. And so God built into the Jewish system an ability for nobody to be enslaved to anybody else. And now Jesus comes and he says, I've come to proclaim that over your life spiritually and over your nation. I've come to die for these things. I remember going up, I think, Ben Jason, you were still on that mission trip when we went up into Nepal, in Tibet, almost there to the borders, when we hiked up. You were still a spring chicken. Huh? You were just very, you were half, no, a, no, a quarter of the size that you are right now. Okay, now he's like big, you know, there's three of me that fits into Ben Jason. But in any case, okay, so we, we you can ask him, we went up into Nepal and now we're going to this hunky moon valley and, you know, as we get there, the people just say, no way, you can't get in here, it's rainy. The government actually shut down the place and, um, 
and now we arrive and we need to hike. So we have these big hiking bags and 70 kilogram each on their back and we want to go up and this, the border is locked. So now it's impossible. It's just like, so we sit there, I think for two, three hours, we wait. But at a previous stop, we ministered to a guy. So this guy has this godless little truck and uh, we just prayed for him and didn't see him again. But later that night, so now we get to this border post and we go to the people and say, please let us in, please. Then we go back and we pray again and we come back and this guy was just saying, no ways. We arrived, I think about 6 p.m., so already 12 p.m. And this security guard, it, these two guys just say, no ways, we're not going to let you in. But we just have one word. We say, Lord, you told us to come. We need to get into this border. We need to get over this place. Long story short, we pray, we pray, we pray. 10 minutes to 12, I walk in again to the same guy, and the guy looks at me as if he's never seen me. I've, we've probably been there 20 times. He looks at me, says like, I need to go on lunch. I'm thinking, it's 12 o'clock at night, you don't eat lunch at 12 o'clock, you know? <laughs> so this guy really doesn't recognize us. You know? I'm thinking like, what? Is this guy a bit high? What's happening? Something, yeah? It's high in the mountains, yeah, but this is maybe like, so the guy stands up and he says like, do whatever you want to, you just can't go in with, the, with your bus. So you think like, oh, you know. So I seize the opportunity. We run, I run back to the bus. I say, guys, get everything off the bus. I know this is a 24-kilometer hike, and we're going to start at 12, but let's just get over the border. You know, let's just get through. Because this guy just told us, now, you can go. Whatever you do, you just can't get this bus through here. So we jump off. We just over... We come around the corner, and here stands this guy that we ministered to with his truck. And he said, like, I've just been waiting here. But he's not, he's not a Christian. He's not a believer. He says, just something told me to wait here. And he waited for four hours. So we got all our bags. We put it on the truck. There he goes with our bags, 24 kilometers, and 12 o'clock, we begin to hike up the mountains. We walk one miracle after the other. So eventually we ended up straight up there in the first village, never been reached, never heard the gospel. You should have seen it. It was amazing. So we, we went this big temple. We put like a, a whole um, a, a, a sort of a duvet over, over the front part of the temple and we showed the Jesus film in Hindi. You, know? you should have seen. The, the people were so noisy until the Jesus film started to show because now there were like pictures of Jesus on the water They've never seen it. Those people have never been out of that little town. So the kids came to the screen and then they touched the boat, you know, because they've never seen stuff like that. The whole place was sitting like this. Huh? And then God healed this paralyzed guy, which was there, fell into the river, and God just healed him. He started to walk one miracle after the other. And people just said, like, who's this God? I love it when God's plan starts to work. I mean, <laughs> we hiked up there in the mountains. I don't know how many kilometers. It took us many days. And we just saw God's healing happen. Wherever we went, just people got healed. People got saved. Now remember, there are four million gods, you know. I remember this one place where we went to, and, and this, the elders just said, no, you can't. And then the two people came out. We prayed for the two people. They got healed. Eventually, the whole place came. You know, I can tell you so many stories. Can I tell you one more? Of God, you, when you work with God, it's just so amazing. Oh, can I tell you one more? Some people are like, 
Raise your hand if I can tell you one more, okay? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, we're going to be here the whole night, okay? So <clears throat> we, we, we're going into this Nepal, into the rivers, into the places, and so we're praying because now we're getting to this village. They've never heard of Jesus. So as we're hiking, we just say, Father, you need to prepare hearts. You need to, to show them, Lord, because it's real. Following Jesus is so amazing. So we go around the corner. As we come around the corner, there's a whole commotion of this village. Now, the village, are quite, it's quite steep. So people are, are working up into the, these graze, grazing fields. And so you really can't get all of them together. But there's a massive commotion because these guys are busy arguing. So as they're arguing, we hear they're arguing. And so we come around the corner. And so everybody's coming out of the village. And these two groups are like quite animosity animostic against each other or agitated with each other. This your crystal is really clearer, okay? You see your fronts and your fistani or English ni, okay? And uh animostic, you know, it's like a less aggressive with my They're aggressive with each other. Okay, yeah. Okay, these Afrikaans guys with us. So but and so they they're quite tense with each other and now they're sitting and so so we're thinking like wow this is a great opportunity. We would have never had this village come together and they're fighting, you know? So they're not fist fighting, just arguing. So we stand there, and so the chief is sitting there. So we go to the chief and say, hey, can we, can we sh share the gospel of Jesus? Uh, can we tell, tell you about why we came here? And the guy says, no. No way. So obviously we have, like, interpreters, so we ask again, and we ask again, and the guy says, no. Eventually the guy says, yes, okay, you can tell, but on one condition. I've been dreaming a dream for 30 years, if you can tell me what that dream is, I give you the freedom to share with this whole tribe of mine what you came to share. Whew, pressure. <laughs> you know, sweating for Jesus, yeah? So now we move away a little bit. We begin to pray. Say, okay, Lord, you know what this guy's been dreaming for 30 years. Now, lots of other religions have come there. Nobody could interpret the dream. Nobody just chased them away every time. So he's standing there. I remember you are the Furi brothers, older brother. He was there. So he just prays, okay, Lord, you need to show us. And then the craziest thing, four of us in that group had the same feeling that we must just tell the story of Noah. So he said, okay, here we go, chief. This is either going to be 100% read or 100% miss. There's no in-between. So we get onto the scene, we begin to tell the story of Noah, and the chief is just sitting and listening. At the end of the story, he says, yes, you can share. 30 years before we came there, God planted a dream in that guy's mind, in his dreaming capacity, I don't know what you call it. And here we come on the scene because we're partnering with Jesus. And he tells us what that dream is. And we preach the gospel. I think it's a good time to clap and just give the Lord. A <laughs> you see, God has got a greater desire for people out there to meet him than what you and I ever think. But more than that, it starts right here. Every person that was transformed by Christ had an encounter with God. Don't let the devil lie to you. That says God is not real. If your 
theology or your doctrines is not experiential, you will get deceived or offended with God. But just ask him. He's not a spoiled sport. God answers the prayer of the hungry. He says, seek, ask, knock, and it will be opened to you. Are you hungry enough to come so close to God? To say, God, everything you said, I've got a broken heart. Lord, I'm captive. Lord, my family is saying this. My past is saying this. My future is saying this. Lord, I'm oppressed. I'm depressed. I can't sleep. I hear voices. Lord, I'm enslaved to the opinions of people. I don't know what you are struggling with, but that Jesus is here and he's still the same. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you preach a watered-down gospel, you will have a watered-down result. I love what Reinhard Bunker says. He's, preach the original gospel and you will get the original results. What is that gospel? Jesus came to the earth. He created man in his image and we sinned. And when we repent and turn back to him, he restores that image in man of who he is. And he gives you the freedom like Adam and Eve had to have a living relationship with him, to walk with God, to know God, to have intimacy with God, to be called a child of God. And then you're on a mission to tell other people of what he's done in your life. He's restored you. He's given you back what the devil has stolen. He doesn't just like say, oh, let me fix him up. He says, I'm a new creation. He doesn't just like panel beat. Ruan, he doesn't panel beat. <laughs> he doesn't know that. He gives you a new heart, a new life, a new sense of destiny. But more than that, he restores. That's what I love about God. God takes what has not even been how you were originally created. He restores you into a better position than what you ever were. Now your life begins to be a testimony to the people around you. Because you're saying, I know him. I know him. But it does cost you something. It costs you to allow only him to tell you who you are. This is my beloved daughter. I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son. I'm well pleased. Will you stand with me tonight? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.